Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. Today we hear from Kate Bullman, helping ambitious professional leaders live a more fulfilling life by doing more of what they love in business and in life. Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and sharing out the Breakfast with Champion podcast because Glenn Lundy believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So let's pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Oh my gosh, Brooke, I uh, ditto what Sarah said. I am all about learning all the blockchain and everything. And you guys just do such an amazing job with that social media hour. So thank you so much for for everything that you've done. So much fun to be part of, of that community and learn so much about all, all the things social media. So we appreciate you. Um, and I'm so excited to be able to do this segment today. I just feel so blessed. Um, thank you so much, Glenn and Sarah, for uh, inviting me to be part of the stage today. I am just so thrilled. Um, I'm Kate Volman. I'm the CEO of Floyd Consulting. And, you know, I start my morning, like a lot of you, uh, with Breakfast with Champions. And so what an honor to be able to share today. And before I get into my segment, I do want to bring it back to what Glenn talked about this morning in his session, because he talked about, well, he called it WIFM. I, I think he said, I think you called it WIFM, Glenn. And, uh, but I like to call it uh, the radio station of WIIFM. And so many people are dialed into that station of what's in it for me. And Glenn asked us to change one letter of that with them uh, to the T and um, what's in it for them instead of what's in it for me. And it was such a such a great reminder. And, and as he was sharing that, it reminded me of Zig Ziglar's quote, you can have anything in life you want if you will just help other people get what they want. And that is what it reminded me of. And so I bring that up partly because it's it's kind of how I actually got into the role that I'm in, that I'm in today as the CEO of Floyd Consulting. Years ago, I started my career at the Boca Raton Chamber of Commerce, and I read this book called The Dream Manager. And I loved it so much that I reached out to the author, Matthew Kelly, to see if he would speak at our trustee event. And flash your mic if you know Matthew Kelly. If you've heard of Matthew Kelly, if you've read any of his books, flash your mic. All right, I feel like he is someone who not everybody knows, but he is an incredible human and uh, very like-minded um, with Breakfast of Champions. But he said that he would he would agree to speak to our trustee event, and he became a, a mentor of mine. And after I left the uh, Chamber of Commerce, I was uh, the Community Redevelopment Agency, the Director of Marketing, and then I opened up a marketing consulting firm. And over the years, he was building his brand and business and, and focus on his mission. And, and I would stay in touch with him and reach out to him. And after I started my marketing company, I saw the work that he was doing and I would reach out to him and I would give him advice and, and tips. I would say, oh my gosh, you're not doing video and you're not doing blogs and you're not really getting out on social media and you have such an incredible message to share. And so I would just kind of like drop him little pieces here and there of things that I felt, thought would be helpful to him. And one day of, you know, this is 12 years after upon first meeting him, he said, Hey, why don't you, let's go grab lunch. And so we went and had lunch. And, and honestly, I thought that he was going to be, I thought he was going to ask if, 
me to help him with his marketing. I thought, oh my gosh, finally, I'm going to finally be able to, to work with him officially. Um, but he actually asked me to run his company and help to spread this message of the things that he was doing. And so I was so grateful uh, for this opportunity to be able to to lead an organization with a mission of helping people grow. And so as you know, it's really just such a message of being able to pour into people, keep feeding into people, and you just never know what opportunities might come your way. So um, so at Floyd, uh, we focus on culture. We focus on employee engagement. We actually have a dream manager program. Yes, dream manager is an actual title. We've worked with hundreds of companies throughout the world to that use our curriculum to help their people dream bigger and help them fulfill their dreams. And so when Sarah reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do this segment? I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many directions that I could take today. I told I told Sarah we could do a dream storm. We could talk about work-life balance, which is a total myth, because this is all the, the work that we do um, at Floyd. And But today I really wanted to talk about building a dynamic culture in your organization. And I wanted to share the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture. And it's based off of Matthew Kelly's book, The Culture Solution. And what's so great about what we're gonna talk about today is yes, it's it's for organizations, but it's for nonprofits and it's for it's for homes and for families and relationship. And, and I sometimes joke with Matthew because I say, you know, these six principles, these are the six principles for life in general, and just being able to, to build an engaged life where people are excited to show up every day. You know, I, I look at Breakfast with Champions and what Glenn and, and Sarah are building, and it's, it's incredible. It's dynamic. Everyone here is engaged. We're excited to be part of the mission of this organization, and that's what I really want to focus on today. And so I want to share these six principles, um, and then I'm going to open up for some questions and for some discussion. and. Um, and if you know of someone who needs to be part of a culture conversation, then I invite you to ping them into this room. Um, and I also want to give away some books. So during the session today, um, take a screenshot and share it over on Instagram. And we'll pick three winners. And I'll give away a copy of The Culture Solution or The Dream Manager. And just go ahead and take a screenshot, add it to your Instagram stories, and use the hashtag Breakfast with Champions. Um, and be sure to tag Glenn and Sarah and myself and any of the other mods on stage. And, uh, and we'll, we'll give away some books. So that'll be fun. Um, all right. So we're going to dig into the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture. And immutable meaning they are never changing. These principles were the same 20 years ago as they'll be 20 years from now as they are right now. Um, and so principle number one is to make culture a priority. These days, culture is very much misunderstood. And so many people, they confuse culture with perks. They think, you know, culture is, is not bringing your dog to work, unlimited vacation. It's not free lunches every day. Um, although, you know, those things are very nice, but but that's not culture. In fact, sometimes it's it's those things that actually create entitlement. And great cultures actually create empowerment. So great cultures are ones that they treat people like people. They want to create an environment where people get to do their best work and feel appreciated for the work that they do. You know, Harvard 
uh, did a study. Uh, they took 200 organizations and looked at them across a period of 11 years. And companies with the strongest cultures were able to increase profits by 756% over the period of that 11 years. So culture matters. You know, there's, there's nothing more important than culture. We need to make it a priority in our organization and in our lives. And I was doing a, I was going to do a training for Chick-fil-A and a friend of mine said to me, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. What, why, why did they hire you to come in and do a training? Don't they have like the best culture ever? And yeah, they do. They have an incredible culture. They're known for their culture because they're constantly focusing on making it better. They don't just rest on their laurels. They're not, they don't say, oh, we're finished. They're constantly doing what they need to do in order to create that great culture. In fact, you know, when we think of Chick-fil-A, if you go into a Chick-fil-A and you order something, what are the two words you're going to hear? Someone unmike and share the two words you'll hear if you go to a Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. They have that. They are known for that all over. And so that's what we get to do. We have to, we get to create that kind of culture. So a question to ask yourself is, are you making culture a priority in your life? Is there someone on your team that's responsible for leading the culture movement? Not fixing it. It's not one person's job to fix it, but to lead the culture in your organization. So that's principle number one, make culture a priority. Principle number two, mission is king. Mission is king. People crave meaningful work. We want to know that what we're doing matters. Men and women on a mission behave very differently than those who are simply going to work. You know, it reminds me of that, of that story where uh, John F. Kennedy, he, he was visiting NASA and he saw this janitor and um, he was mopping the floor and he went over to the janitor and ch shook his hand and um, introduced himself. And he said, oh, he said, this is awesome. He said, what do you do here? And he said, oh, uh, he's, he said, you know, I, I work here. He said, oh, do you, do you enjoy working here? And he says, I love working here. And he says, that's so great. He says, well, what do you do here? He says, well, people see me mopping the floors and, and cleaning up the place. And he said, but you know what I do? He said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. That's what he's doing. And everyone in an organization, yes, we all have our role to play, but think about if you have a mission that's so strong that people, that's when someone says, what do you do? They, they talk about mission. They know that the part that they play in, their, in that organization, it's bigger than themselves. It's bigger than them. And leaders, what happens when, when we're focused on making mission king, your team your team's going to want to make you king or queen. <laughs> They're going to want to make you king or queen. But you can't let them do that because they're going to want to, to make it all about you. When, when questions arise and things come up, have you ever, if you're in a leadership role, people might say, oh, well, that's the way John wants it done or that's the way Glenn said to do it. No, it's what's best for the mission in the organization. When we make mission king, we can argue for something instead of against something. When we're in an organization and we make mission king, 
you know, some of the ideas that we might bring to the table, it, it might be a great idea, but it might not support the mission. And that's okay because it's about making mission king. So we get to decide and commit when we're making a decision, when we're building something with others and, and maybe they take someone else's idea and not ours and we focus on mission, we get to decide what's best for the mission and then commit together and take action to build what we're building. I'm so fascinated, you know, I work with a ton of organizations and I'm so fascinated by how many people do not know the mission of their organization. They just have no clue. Or they have a mission and it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo words, just a lot of words that make them sound really smart, but it doesn't mean anything to people. It doesn't get people excited about the about the work that they're doing. So I want to know, does does your team know the mission of your organization? Flash your mic if you have a clearly defined, strong mission in your organization. If you have a clearly defined mission, flash your mic. If anyone, all right, I see Megan. Megan, would you share your mission? Hello, Miss Kate. Um, you know, I'm going to share the mission that I built for 18 years at the Novitas Spa Medical Rejuvenation Clinic. And as you were speaking there about, um, you know, that the mission is king, but don't make it about me, so to speak. And what, uh, what really resonated with me, Kate, when you sh uh, shared that piece of it, is that um, my gals knew that it was all of us collectively. Uh, and that always just gave me such joy when I heard them not speak about me, but the we, that we, and this is how we do it. And basically, um, it was a service. I sold it last year. Uh, and uh, the other piece, though, I'll share is that what I'm about to share, several of the women have started their own business, and several of them have gone to the new owner's uh, business. He transferred this to another location. But the point is that I've heard from all of them about, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for sharing with us. And it's, and I've been to open houses that they've done, these new gals, and it's about spa. The definition of spa is a special pampering attitude. It's all about the guest from the moment they say hello on the phone to the moment they leave. And of course, my pleasure was part of uh, the integration of their uh, verbiage, but it was about the guest. And I also t uh, taught them from the why. Why would you do anything? Why would these people be here at all? There are choices to be made out in the marketplace. We have to make this the most special experience from, again, the moment you they say hello, the moment they walk in. And again, they always greeted the guest with hello, how may I help you? Even if they, you know, knew them, you know, um, and so, or greet, you know, they greeted that person each and every time. So it was that <clears throat> ingrained philosophy of it was about the guest. It was about mm -hmm. that person, no matter how goofy or crazy or kooky they were, it was, and I helped them to understand that they um, have a life, their husband, and they never asked, how are you? Because that perfunctory statement is no one cares how you are really. And their husband could have died last night. You don't ask. And therefore you just pour into them with love and care and help them, the guest have the most extraordinary experience on this beautiful, yes, but a spa on the historic Georgetown Square. 
So that was the mission to share and pour into each and every guest every time they were there. I love it. Megan, thank you so much for sharing that. And how incredible that you built a team that are, are thanking you for what you did for them. And as they, as you sold your business, now you're helping to support them and the, and the dreams that they have. So I love that. That's so awesome. That thank is really, you. so I would ask all of you to, to take a look at your mission, get your mission out, ask your people, what is the mission of our organization? Is there a way to make it more aspirational, to make it something that people are, feel so excited to be a part of? You know, the mission of Florida, Floyd, we grow people, and I feel so blessed. My team are so dedicated, committed, excited to pour into every single person that we have an opportunity to work with. And, you know, when, when, when we're, we're, we're all people, people are people are people. There's no business person and, 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 um, and, and just person in general, we're, we are a whole person. And when we're dealing with things in our own life and we have things going on, it's crazy to think that we can just step into the office and not bring some of that stuff with us. So if we're not engaged in our own life, if we're not engaged in the, the mission that we have for ourselves and our own life, we're not gonna be engaged in the mission of an organization. So we need to, well, we're gonna talk about people, people later on, but mission, mission helps. It's the North Star. When things are getting a little bit too distracting, we go to mission to make sure that we are headed in the right direction. And that's what mission does. Mission helps us avoid the success trap. There's a success trap. And that's really just having more opportunities than you can take advantage of. It's a blessing and it's a curse all at the same time. So decide to let it be a blessing for your organization and have the discipline to say no when it doesn't support the mission. Everything goes back to the mission of the organization. It's always about mission. All right, I'm gonna do a quick reset because we've had some great people joining us into the room. So um, you are in the Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. We now have 15 hours of programming each weekday from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not gonna regret it. See you there. So incredible. Plus 6 a.m. to noon Saturday and then Club 111 on Sunday. So right now, invite some friends into the room by hitting that little plus sign, inviting them to join the Breakfast with Champions Club on Clubhouse so that they can continue to be part of these conversations. And remember, I'm going to be giving away th uh, books to three winners. So if you're enjoying this conversation, take a screenshot and share it over on your story with the hashtag Breakfast with Champions. Tag myself and Glenn and Sarah. And uh, I'll pick three, uh, three winners to either get a copy of The Culture Solution or The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. Um, and again, I'm so grateful to be here with all of you. All right, so uh, I'm sharing the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture. Principle number one, make culture priority. Mission number, uh, 
Principle number two is mission is king. And then principle number three is over-communicate the plan. Over-communicate the plan. Now, first of all, if you're going to over-communicate the plan, you have to have a plan. Uh, and so often, organizations and people, we don't have a strategic plan for our business or for our life. And it doesn't have to be a huge 20 thousand page document. It can be a couple pages. In fact, it should be as short as possible because, you know, we've we've all seen plans that are just hundreds of pages long and no one's looking at that. No one no one's using that because it's just so dense. There's so much in there. We need to make it easy. We need to make it usable. My team and I, we create a, a plan every year. And what's so exciting about it, what, what I get excited about is that we create this plan together. We play, create the plan together. So we're constantly going back to the plan. When we feel ourselves kind of getting off track or maybe there's just so many things going on, we go back to the plan. We look at the numbers. Where are we supposed to be? What are we doing? Are we hitting all the numbers? And are we hitting all of our, our goals that we're trying to hit this year? So we're looking at that. Not every quarter, not every year. We're looking at it almost daily. I mean, I have it on my desk always. And whenever I meet with my team, sometimes I have to break out the plan when I see that they're overcomplicating on some things. So having a plan allows us to stay focused. It allows everyone to know what needs to get done and what the priorities are. As a leader, repetition is your best friend. Sometimes we think we're saying too much. We, we, we think we say th the same thing over and over too many times. I don't think we can say it too many times. What's clear to me isn't necessarily clear to you. So what's clear to you isn't necessarily clear to your team or your significant other or your child, right? We understand this in marketing for sure. You know, we just left the social media hour. They get it because who's who's the best at this are, are, are the big brands that market like Coca-Cola. The brands that tell us the same thing over and over, they're sharing the same message over and over because we're not going to forget it. It gets stuck in our heads. So people need to hear something just like we hear with mark in marketing terms. People need to hear someone, something seven to 10 times before not only they've heard it, but before they understand it in the way that we intended it to. Because we have to remember that people, they come from their own lens. When they hear something from us, they're looking at it from their perspective. They're looking at it from a what's in it for me perspective, right? Going back to that WIIFM. So we have to understand that. In fact, I had a leader ask me one time, I've told this person like seven times, how many more times do I need to tell them? I said, well, apparently more than that. So we can't be afraid to tell people over and over. So there's no question with what you're trying to accomplish. It's very clear what you're trying to accomplish. All right, principle number four, hire with rigorous discipline. Principle number four in creating in the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture is hire with rigorous discipline. The most important decision that leaders make, they're not what decisions, they are who decisions. We need to get the right people on our team. Not just the right skill set, but they have to be a good cultural fit too. Sometimes we forget about that. We just are looking for, for a skill set fit to make sure they can do the work, but they've got to be a good fit for the culture. 
every time we bring someone else into the organization, it, it shifts the dynamic. You're bringing in a whole new person, a whole new personality. So here's a, here's a fun exercise you can do with the team that you have now to kind of identify where everybody falls. You draw, if you have a piece of paper, you can do it right now. You can draw a square on a piece of paper, then draw a horizontal line through the middle, and then a vertical line. So you're gonna see four quadrants. And on, on the bottom of the square, write the word values. And on the left side of the square, write the word work. And now you're gonna, you're gonna place the name of everyone on your team in one of those quadrants. So here's how it'll work. Quadrant number one is on the upper right. And those individuals, they fit your values and they do incredible work. Those are the A players. Those are the rock stars. Those are the people that you wish you could, you could just have your whole team filled with them. And then the individuals in the lower in the lower right, they fit your values, but their work isn't as good as it could be. So we get to coach them up. We get to lead them. We get to help them get better because they, they're a great cultural fit, but they need some help with their skill set, which we can do. We can coach people into that. Then there's those in the upper left quadrant, and they do great work, but they don't fit the values. And oftentimes, these are people we keep around too long because they're producing, but they are killing the culture. Usually these are the rainmakers. We don't want to get rid of those people we, we, because they are bringing in revenue, but man, they are killing the culture and it's bringing people down. And, and then there's those people in the lower left and they don't do great work and they don't fit the values. And you would think, obviously, that there's not a lot of those people, but there's tons of organizations that keep those people around even when they know that the best thing to do, not only for the organization, for, but for that person, is to let that person go to find a better fit and a better opportunity. So this is a great uh, exercise to do with your team because you really get to see, and not only your team, but think about your life, right? Think about the people that you're spending your time with. Jim Rohn says, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Well, where are the people, where do the people in your life fall into this quadrant? Are you full of people on that, that upper right corner that they, that they believe in, in your values and they are incredible people, they're engaged, you're excited when you hang out with them? You can also look at your team and ask these two questions. Would you hire them again? And number two, how would you feel if they quit today? How would you feel if they quit today? Asking those two questions is incredible to find out if you have the right people on your team. The hiring process can be so grueling. It's not fun because we've got to hold out for the right people. We've got to find those right people. We've got to interview them. We've got to figure out if they're a good fit. And great leaders don't just fill seats that need to be filled just because they're cold and we gotta get a warm body in here. That's not what they do. They fill them with the right people. And before you hire someone, you need to ask yourself, do I really wanna hire them? And there's only one answer, a heck yes. If you can't say heck yes, then it is a no. You have to be so sure 
that you want to hire this right person? And so a great question to ask is on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your hiring process? Do you have a hiring process that supports being able to figure out, do they have the skill set? Do they have the values? Do they have the right, are they a right cultural fit to be brought into this organization to fulfill the mission of our organization? All right, so that's principle number four. All right, if you guys are paying attention and, and uh, following along and, and listening to the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture, please unmute your mic and we'll do this together. Principle number one is, who knows it? Principle number one is make culture a priority. Principle number two. Principle number two is mission is king. Yes, mission is king. Principle number three. Over communicate. Yes, over communicate the plan. You guys are so awesome. And principle number four. Hire with resources. What is that? Hire, I can't hire even the right read. people. And hire yep. the right people. Yes. Hire with rigorous discipline. I love it, love it, love it. All right, we've got two principles left. I'm so excited because these are, well, they're all my favorite. I can't say I have a favorite, but I love this one. All right, principle number five of the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture is let people know what you expect. Let people know what you expect. Everyone deserves to know what is expected of them. Nobody should feel stressed out wondering if they're doing a great job or not. Even in relationships, right? Like your significant other should never be wondering, am I? Am I doing what, what I'm supposed to be doing? Is, is, is everything good? Are we all good? <laughs> that's like, that's never a good thing. The number one enemy of any brand, any organization is the expectations gap. And the expectation gap is, you know, there's, there's what we expect to happen and then there's what actually happens. And there's this gap between those two things. And guess what happens when there's a gap? Something needs to fill that gap. And it's usually those feelings of disappointment, resentment, anger, frustration, and loss of trust. And so it's our job to close that gap. We can close that gap by, by creating clear role descriptions and scorecards. People need to know what a win looks like so they can win. We wanna set people up for the win. We need to let no, people know how are they're being, how they're being evaluated. How are you going to be evaluated after three months, six months, a year? You know, so I often wonder how many people uh, sit down at the dinner table and, and they say to their spouse, you know, oh my gosh, I am killing it. I am just killing it at the office. And then their leader, their leader is going home saying, oh my gosh, they're killing me. Like, I just wonder how often that happens in, in, the, in the workforce. And again, even in relationships, it might happen too. The hardest expectations to manage. You want to know what the hardest expectations to manage are? The hardest expectations to manage are the ones that we don't know about. So we need to have all of this stuff out on the table. So a fun exercise to do with your team and even, hey, even your significant other or a family member, friend, whatever. You take a piece of paper and you write down what you expect of your team member. 
What do you expect of them? And then your team member writes down what they believe is expected of them. And then guess what you do? You come to the table and you compare each other's list and you see what shows up. You see where is that gap? What's missing? Only then can you close the gap so everyone knows what to expect and everyone gets to win together. So principle number five, let people know what you expect. And now principle number six of the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture is create a coaching culture. Create a coaching culture. Obviously, Megan created a coaching culture in her organization. It's no wonder it was so successful. She was able to sell the business. That's amazing. Your number one role as a leader is to grow your people. It's to coach them up. The best way to grow your people is to coach them, to help them get better, to learn about them and their process so they can become the best version of themselves. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by, by my team and, and figuring out how do they think? How do they make decisions? How can I help them make the best decisions so that, that we're all making better decisions when we're focused on that mission? Coaching is the silver bullet of dynamic cultures. When we have a coaching culture and everyone feels supported where we're able to, we're, we're not being defensive, we're taking feedback, we're getting coached, we want to grow, we want to get better. You know, when, when we're hiring, um, we have to be very conscious of what are we looking for in someone, in a person? And I'm, we're always looking for three things. And when I say we, I mean, my team and I, when we're, when we're hiring, we're looking for people who are committed, coachable, and aware. Those are the three things we're looking for, committed, coachable, and aware. Because we can do a lot with people who are coachable, right? We talk, when you talk about that quadrant, when you look at people that need a little bit of support with that skill set, we can coach people up for sure. And what's so great is that great coaches are very coachable. Great coaches, great leaders, they love to be coached. They love being coached because we all want to get better. We've got this growth mindset. I mean, there's tons of coaching leaders here in Breakfast with Champions. I just am blown away. I'm floored. I love hearing from so many incredible leaders here on this stage that coach, they feed into their people, they grow their people. Not only do they grow their people, they grow us every day that they show up. Every day they show up and they share their knowledge. You know, coaching studies show that that training, when you when you come in and do a training for for someone, that a training alone increases productivity by about 22%. But when you combine a training and coaching, it increases up to 400%. Because people, while yes, learning something, you know, we get on these stages, we get to learn some things, but having that one-on-one -on -one coaching with your team, with your people to help them get better. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. Not only do you see that productivity, but it just helps with, you know that person has your back. You know that person wants what's best for you. And if there's anything that I think we need more of when it comes to leaders, it's courage. And specifically managerial courage. Having the courage to do what it takes to have the best culture, to have the right people, to fulfill the mission of the organization. And managerial courage, it's really a three-step process. It's expect, like we talked about. It's expect, let people know what to expect. 
And then two, inspect. You got to inspect people's work. How are they doing? And then number three is coach. Coach them up. Coach them to get better. So that's principle number six, create a coaching culture. So those are the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture. They're never changing. When you get these right, you'll have a culture that creates empowerment. You'll create an environment where people love coming to work and accomplishing great things together. And so let's real quick go through that list one more time. Principle number one is, anyone just unmike and share. Make culture a priority. Yes, make culture a priority. Principle number two. Mission is king. Yes, principle number three. Over-communicate the mission. Over-communicate the plan. Yes, love it, love it. Number four. Hiring with vigorous discipline. <laughs> yes, number five. Principle number five. Number five is let people know what you expect. The number one uh, enemy to any organization is the expectation gap. Love it, Nate. Thank you so much. And then principle number six. Create a coaching coaching culture. Absolutely. Create a coaching culture. Oh, my gosh. Love it. Those are the six principles. I hope that you guys found value in that. And, you know, going back to coaching culture, what I love so much is, again, we have so many incredible coaches here on this stage. And what's great is we've all had a great coach. We've all had great mentors. So what qualities make up a great culture? I mean, a, gr a great coach. What qualities make up a great coach and a leader? Who wants to who wants to unmike and share a great, what qualities they see in the coaches that they really appreciate? They listen intently. Hey, Kate. <gasps> Lolita with a T. <laughs> hey, <laughs> congratulations on your segment. But coaches listen intently. That makes a great coach for me. I love that. Glenn has a wonderful definition and an acronym for uh, that. And it's like Lolita said, listen, educate, advise, and uh, develop. And the double D, he says, is daily. So listen, encourage, advise, develop daily. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Really good. I love your segment, uh, Kate. This is Susie, and I'm actually gonna excited to have listened because I'm gonna expand on it later in my very first segment. Um, I think one of the things that good coaches, cultures uh, do, mentors, is they're willing to continue to learn. I think we can get really stuck in, oh, we've arrived, and we forget that we have to keep being learners. So that ongoing uh, heart of a learner and open-mindedness, I think, is a really big part of success in these areas you're mentioning. Oh, I love that, Susie. Yeah, you know, great coaches, they love getting coached. They are lifelong learners. That's why, you know, I look at this stage and I just feel so blessed to be on stage with some of these people for, I mean, Susie, you and I have connected and, and I've just loved learning from Glenn. And I mean, you know, I look at someone like David Spizak. Oh my gosh, I don't know if he's here, but, you know, talk about a leader. Talk about someone who you can just tell they live, eat, and breathe what they say that they are going to do and what they do with their teams. And that is so true with leaders is they are, they constantly are growing, constantly getting better. I was on the um, 
um, I was on the phone with a friend of mine yesterday and we were just talking about, I'm just like, can't stop. Like I, I just, I never want to, you know, never want to stop learning. And I mean, Hey, that's why we're in breakfast with champions. That's why they've made their programming and continued throughout the entire day. I mean, it's just so, it's so incredible. So that being said, I'll do a quick room room reset because you are in breakfast with champions and which uh, the breakfast of champions, the millionaire breakfast club. And like I said, we now have 15 hours of programming each weekday from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. plus 6 a.m. to noon on Saturday and, of course, Club 111 on Sunday. And so I hope that you will join us for all of these incredible sessions. It's been so much fun to get to learn from all of the new moderators that have been coming up on stage and sharing some really great information. And um, I'm just so grateful to be able to be part of such a fabulous team. So I do want to throw out a question today to uh, because I did share today, we talked about culture. We talked about creating a dynamic culture that people love, so people love coming to work and accomplishing great things together. And I shared the six immutable principles of a dynamic culture. So would love for anyone to open up the mic and share which of the six principles really resonated with you the most. And if anyone has any questions, then please or flash your mic. And I would love to, to open up that dialogue because I'm always fascinated to see which of the principles really made an impact for someone or really made someone think. So, um, Kwani, I see you and then Winifred. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kwani Burks. Um, the one that resonated with me the most is uh, the one you said about repeat the mission because sometimes I feel like um, I'm, I'm too repetitive. But according to the information you just gave us, that that's what a leader is supposed to do, continually remind everyone of the mission. So I, I, I really appreciate that. And now that I know that, I'm gonna keep reiterating it, or I should say, I'm gonna start reiterating it again, instead of as seldom as I do because of me overthinking things, like, oh, they already know that, or I should dial back on it or reevaluate, but just keep repeating the mission. So thank you. I love that, Kwani. Yeah, it's so funny. I get, I talk to so many leaders. They're like, I don't, this is crazy. Like, I just keep saying it. Like, I feel like I'm a broken record. And I'm like, I know, but it's totally okay. You need to feel that way if your people are still not getting it. And um, some some leaders I work with, they say, I love it now because now my team makes fun of me. Like, they will say what I'm going to say before I say it. So it's almost like a joke, but they really, they really love it. So um, I'll just share this, you know, th I, I just love this. Um, the first time you tell somebody something, chances are they're distracted or focused on something else. And it takes time for them to focus so they can catch so they can catch the end of your message and most likely ignore it. So that's the first time. The second time you tell somebody something, they think to themselves, this is this is his message for the week. He's got a different message each, each week. I'm really busy this week, so I'll get to next week's message. The third time you tell somebody something, they ask a question, which totally makes you think that they are engaged and listening and you get excited, but no, you're wrong. They actually aren't interested in what you're saying. The real, the reason for the question is they wanna know how what you are saying is going to affect them and their role and their responsibilities in life. 
the fourth time you tell somebody something, they think to themselves, this must be really important because this is the, this is the second time he said this to me. And then the fifth time you tell somebody something, they ask another question and then listen to your answer with their, with their question in mind because they want to see if you can be trusted. The sixth time you tell somebody something, you have their attention for the first time and they're actually really listening. This, and then the seventh time you tell somebody something, they might actually hear it in a way that you're hoping them to hear it. So, so Kwani, yes, continue to share your message. Never think that you're repeating too much. Over-communicate, over-communicate. Um, all right, Winfred, um, I saw that you were flashing. What was your, which, which of the six principles resonated with you the most? You know, I've been interviewing um, professionals from Salesforce. Salesforce is, is one of the top 10 companies. I, I can't remember, I think it was Ladders that said to work for. And what, one of the things that I've been so impressed by those Salesforce professionals is that they all talk about the culture of Salesforce. And they talk about the impact their manager has on their life and how their manager is a, not just a, a coach, but kind of a sponsor, always championing them and speaking about them in, in places where they do not have access to. And I've interviewed over, a day, over 10. Um, Jack came forward and increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. Jeremy Nowling here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean-Paul Guidry here. And I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works. I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I wanna open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Sales um, force um, employees for a series that they are going to have, which they're gonna put on YouTube. And so when you talk about hiring the right people, I see that that is why Salesforce really is among the top 10 companies to work for because they really go through this rigorous interview process to ensure that the employee, the people they hire, um, you know, the heartbeat, their heartbeat lines up with the mission and vision of Salesforce because these professionals, they're as far flung as in Australia, in England, in different in different other countries in Europe and in the States. Well, all of them is the same story. So I think hiring the best, um, the people who have the right feet, um, who, who understand the mission, not just in the head, not just the head knowledge, but the heart knowledge of the mission and the vision of the organization. That's what resonates with me. I'm done speaking. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you so much for that. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting when when you look at organizations and you can see, you can feel it 
you know, I, I love, I love small businesses. I love small businesses because there's just such a heart there. And I remember I walked into this cute little coffee shop that we have here. I'm, I'm, I'm in West Palm beach in South Florida. And, uh, I walked into this little coffee shop and this family run and I walk in and this, this guy behind the, the counter, he, he's just all smiles. And before I even get up to the, to the cash register, he's like, Hey, hello. Good afternoon. How are you? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're, this is great. Um, and I said, Oh, I said, do you, do you like working here? And he said, I love working here. And he told me all the reasons why. And he said, he told me about the family and he told me about the way that they decide what food to, to, to bring in that day. And they, they use local vendors uh, for all their pastries. And it's like, you feel it. So a company like a company like Salesforce or some of these other companies, I mean, you look at something, someone like Zappos, right? I mean, Zappos, Tony Shea, and uh, they, what they have created is really remarkable. And one of the ways that they do that is they actually, when somebody gets hired, they actually offer to give somebody $2,000 to leave because they know if someone's going to take that money, they weren't the right fit. And that's how that's how much they care. You know, we've, we have to be so careful with who we bring into our, our organization. And what's so great about when, when we're building a culture that people love coming to work and we have this, that you can feel it. You feel the heart that people have to serve when you have companies or organizations like that, you automatically attract really amazing people because really amazing people want to belong to an organization that has a great mission that has a great vision, that that believes in coaching their people, that believes that people matter. You know, it's so crazy when when Matthew Kelly wrote The Dream Manager over 12 years ago, he said, I almost didn't write this book because it's so easy. Like treat people like people, care about your people, not only care about your people, but care about your people's dreams. Because you know what's interesting as, a, as leaders is people come to work, not because they love you, not because they love your organization. They might, they might love those things and, and, and we hope that they do. But, but the real reason why, why people are coming to work is because they have their own dreams. They have dreams for themselves and their families. And they believe that by working with you and fulfilling that mission, that that you're that they're going to not only be able to support you and your mission, but but they're 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 going to be able to achieve their goals and their dreams and their mission. And so when we know that, when we know that as leaders, we're able to support everyone. I mean, in that's why that, that creating that coaching culture, you know, it's so it's so fascinating how many organizations just forget it's as simple as treating people like people. And that's what I love so much about leaders who really care, who care about their team, who care about their team's dreams, who want to support them, who want to coach them and get better. You know, even in some organizations that that say, well, if I coach them, they might leave. Well, great. Maybe their time with you was limited and now their time to go do something else is just as great. I mean, I, I love that I'm still friends with with my with previous leaders that I've worked for. 
and people in my life that I, that I still get to go out and have lunch with and hang out with. And, and it's so incredible because I was able to learn so much while I was there. While I was there, I helped the organization grow. And then it was time for me to move on. And that's a beautiful thing as well. So I think sometimes we forget that that is okay too. All right, there, I have just a few more minutes. I would love to hear what, uh, what else has resonated? Which of the six principles really resonated with you the most? Kate, may I share a, a piece sure, that I Megan. think would assist people? Um, and it, 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 uh, they're all fabulous, and they all are aligned with my mission and vision and goals for my business. Uh, but it is that um, hiring piece. And uh, it is so, so very important. And I implemented a program over the years called the Master's Program. And it's basically everything you've said. But in the spa industry, it's historic or salon industry that people do not stay long. And so I had to make all of this important to them and the culture so it would be cohesive and build together. So the master's program basically was if a person contacted us and didn't have a resume, I wouldn't even talk to them. Um, my, my staff knew, well, please send the resume. And of course, that if it didn't come, I wouldn't. But um, to make a very long story short is basically when, uh, and, and normally I tried to hire the valedictorian from the uh, schools, the aesthetic schools, because they're the ones that showed up and it's easier to train someone who does not have bad habits. And so with that, uh, in the interviewing process, once I determined that I wanted to offer them a position, it was not a job job, it was to enter the master's program. And that was a six months, six months, because the, uh, you know, the skin in the game was to get in that room and make money. Of course, they were paid hourly, but they worked for six months as a spa coordinator to learn the entire business, the protocols, the culture, and become part of the team. And with that, most often um, within 30 days, if a person really wasn't a fit, they fired themselves. So hire slow, fire fast. And then the net net of that, Kate, and, and all my colleagues here is that, and this is unheard of, when I sold this business, most all of the uh, staff, well, I should say all, were there at least for five years, and most were eight to 12 years, and this is a 17-year business. So it was that hiring process that really, uh, just really ensured that this team would build from there. And they took it very seriously themselves because they were part of the training. So it's that team structure that builds that business because you can't do it alone. No, there's no, no way. No way. Yeah. Megan, thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. And yes, you can't build anything alone. And that's, what's so great about company about culture is everyone, everyone can make an impact in changing the culture of an organization. You, it, you don't have to be the CEO. You don't have to be a manager or a leader. You, you, can literally have started today. And those are called culture advocates. And everyone has an opportunity to be a culture advocate. And a culture advocate is simply someone who cares about the culture of an organization. And they do one thing every day, one thing, just one, one thing to improve the culture of the organization. And we all have the power to do that. So I hope that some of these exercises that I shared today you'll take uh, take away and, and do some of these things. Really focus on 
you know, developing, you know, maybe taking out that mission, asking your team. I love, I love, I love going into a training and asking the team members, hey, what's the mission? What's the mission of your organization? And so many people don't know because, again, it's just too long. They don't remember. It's not aspirational. It's not exciting. It's not empowering to them. So take a look at that mission. Take a look at your strategic plan. If you don't have a strategic plan, create one and set, set, create that role description, that scorecard for people. Let Make sure people know what it looks like to win. And then coach, coaching. Do you have a coaching culture? Do people feel supported? Do people feel like you want to help them get better? Are you, are you digging in? Are you taking personality assessments like Myers-Briggs, like Enneagram, like, some, like, like DISC and all these other ones that are out there so you get to know your people and how they work, how they function, how they make decisions? The better we know our people, the more that we can support them, the more that we can help them grow. And so I am so grateful for, for everyone for being here. I said I was going to give away some books. I cannot multitask and like figure all these pieces out. So I will look and see if you want to, if you want to win either a copy of the culture solution or the dream manager quick, take a screenshot of this room right now, share it over on your Instagram story, use the hashtag breakfast with champions and tag myself and Sarah McCord and Glenn Lundy. And, um, and I'll give away three. I'll give away a, a, some a, three a, books to three lucky winners: the Culture Solution and or the Dream Manager. And like I mentioned earlier, um, the Dream Manager. Yes, Dream Manager is actually a title, and lots of people in the <laughs> in the world have that title. And so, if you're interested at all in learning about Dream Manager and how you can bring that into your organization, would love to talk to you about that. It's just so. It's just so incredible to watch organizations, to talk to leaders who care deeply about their people, who want to help their people dream bigger, fulfill those dreams, and, and really just help them live a more fulfilling lives. I mean, the dreams that these people get to, get to achieve, they're, they're not even huge. They are, they're things like getting out of debt, buying their first home and losing weight. Those are the three dreams. Those are the, the three top dreams that we see that, that all these people around the world are, are getting to achieve. And then, then they start, get to start seeing things like, wow, I can do that. What else can I do? What else? And so it's so empowering. And so if you're interested at all, if I can help in any way to support you in building a great culture and leading teams and, and, um, and helping to inspire your people and empower them, to be dream managers or whatever it is, please let me know. I would love to support you in any way that I can. Um, and a big, big, amazing thank you to Glenn Lundy, Sarah McCord. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share on this stage. I've just, you guys feed into me every single day. Dr. Shapiro and Susie and David and TM and Lolita with a T and Monica and, you know, just everyone here. Everyone here has just been so incredible. I love this community. I love being part of it. And I'm just so grateful that I had an opportunity to share this with you. I hope that you got some takeaways. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.